Work, wealth, wisdom. This is DC Entrepreneur. We're sharing stories, ideas, and lessons from startups and businesses in the pursuit of innovation. And we're helping build a community of problem solvers and thought leaders in the Washington area. Now, here's your host, George Mocharco. This is George Macharco, host of DC Entrepreneur, here on WERA 96.7 FM. I'm on the phone today with Morgan Hirsch. Morgan is the CEO and founder of Morgan's, a direct-to-consumer subscription box company, which delivers the most essential toiletries and goods to people on a monthly basis. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. So I, I think I first heard about Morgan's uh, through a Facebook ad. And whenever I went through, I was like, wow, this is a really great concept here because it's like some of the other subscription boxes that I belong to, like Harry's and uh, Birchbox. Why hasn't anyone else thought about this concept? Well, it's interesting because there's such a fad around subscription businesses, but the, I think it's sort of ridiculous. So people are trying to come up with all these, you know, what could I put in a box? and send to people every single month. So different brands are trying to come up with this theme or that theme. And to me, this was my personal taste, that they, they end up just building clutter machines, right? Because you have a bunch of random stuff. So I wanted to build a, a subscription box on products that people actually use and need every single month. But certainly, there's a, there's a business case for recurring revenue. So that's why we're seeing such a fad because entrepreneurs are like, well, rather than, you know, there's a cost. You, you mentioned that you found us through a Facebook ad. Well, you know, there's a cost to get, you know, I have to serve that ad to, you know, however many hundreds of people in order to get, you know, some to click and then some to buy. So once you get that purchase, uh, you, you want to get a recurring purchase for it to be uh, economical for it to pencil. So that's uh, so that's why we're seeing such a fad with uh, with subscriptions. Can you talk to me about your entrepreneurial journey? Why you chose to go into the private label business? The way products have evolved, we take it for granted. But first of all, from from a packaging standpoint, right? You, you have these products at a CVS or Walgreens with all these promises and flashy colors that are really designed to look good in a drugstore environment, but then look terrible once you once you bring them home. Um, and then the, the environment itself, you've got all these brands with different permutations um, for this type of hair, for that, or different toothbrushes with all these promises. There's a lot of clutter. Um, and really, again, it evolved this way to dominate so brands could dominate shelf space. Um, and, and it's not really necessary now that you have e-commerce and can go online. So what I wanted to do is just simplify the whole shopping experience for products that everybody really needs. So I created Morgan's so people could just one click and get a box of everything they need from tree-free toilet paper to their shampoo, conditioner, moisturizer, uh, SLS-free toothpaste, biodegradable toothbrushes, um, all in one box delivered every month, all products that we need and use every single day. So the products that you have are the essential goods that really anyone needs yeah, bar soap, liquid soap, shaving cream, razors, razor handle, um, toothbrushes, toothpaste, moisturizer, shampoo, conditioner, and tree-free toilet paper made from a bamboo pulp. 
And and what I also noticed that was interesting too is that these products aren't coming from overseas in China. They're they're made here in the U.S. Yeah, all the liquids and soaps are made in the United States. We make them in Memphis, Tennessee. Our toothpaste is made in Utah, and our uh, liquids are made in Totowa, New Jersey. Uh, but our toilet paper and our toothbrushes are actually made in China um, because that's where the bamboo grows. So talk to me about what drew you to the minimalism concept when you were creating your product. Like, How does that fit into the customer experience? Well, I think we all, you know, I mean, most of us anyway make quite a, quite a concerted effort to make our homes and bathrooms and our, our spaces look nice. Um, and then you either fill them with, what I find is to be, you know, ugly products. Or the other option, if you want to go premium, is you end up paying $20, $30 for a bottle of shampoo. Now, we discovered during our product development process that if a bottle of shampoo costs $20 or $30 at a store, it still really only costs 2 or $3 to make. It's almost impossible to make a bottle of shampoo or soap cost more than $3. I remember when we were sourcing, I was down in, in Tennessee, uh, where, where one of our manufacturers is, Memphis, and he said, well, if you're going to make, you know, if you're going to make these products all natural, if you want it, then it's going to be quite a bit more expensive. I said, oh, well, you know, I don't want it to be too expensive. As the meeting went on, I said, by the way, you said more expensive. How much more? And he said, well, it's going to add at least 12 cents. So there's this misconception brands are using natural as an opportunity just to charge consumers more. And we decided uh, not to do that. Yeah, what's interesting to me about the product is that these products that you offer are really low cost, but yet they have this high perceived value. So how are you able to do that with um, such thin margins? Well, actually, I, uh, it's funny that you bring that up. I, we're even going a step further. So, so the reason is, one thing is we're direct. We don't sell to retail. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if a bottle of shampoo costs $2, then you have the cost to pick it, pack it, ship it, get it to the customer. So we charge $8. Now, in a, in a traditional distribution model, it would be we would charge a retailer $8 and, you know, the name retailer. So and then the retailer resells it to the consumer. They want to make at least 60% profit on that. So they sell it for $20. So a product goes from 2 to 8 to 20 um, So So we cut out that middleman and offer direct. And now actually we're, there's something that we just launched yesterday in private beta um, where you can become a member and actually get all our products at cost. And then just for $8 a month, you become a member and you get access to our actual cost prices. So I really wanted to just kind of change the the distribution method as much as possible, simplify it from the look of the products themselves uh, to the supply chain that distributes. Let's talk about your journey as an entrepreneur. Um, you designed bags for a while, and of course your family company was in the leather goods business, correct? Yeah, exactly. So can you talk to me about you know what you've learned as an entrepreneur through this process of beginning Morgan's? I guess I guess the... The, the main thing that I learned is, I guess, cliched or not, is just do it. Just launch. Mm-hmm. That you can't, you can't learn anything in a vacuum. And I think that, you know, a lot of us have a tendency to sit there and try to strategize and philosophize on what's the best approach. Whereas 
nobody really knows and nobody knows what's going to resonate with the consumer. So, um, the, the best thing to do is just launch, measure, and then iterate. You'll have a lot of companies that will invest a lot of money in their look and visual identity and all of that. And those things are incredibly important. But, you know, people could invest a lot in a visual identity or people could invest a lot in a software feature if you're out there, you know, building a software company. Um, you could invest a lot in five different features and it turns out that your users only care about one specific feature or adopt the product in a way that you hadn't anticipated. So it's just about getting, getting feedback from the market as soon as possible. But just, just an example, um, when we were launching this private beta program offering our products at cost, we thought, oh, how are we going to build it? How are we going to do it? And then we thought, well, why don't we just send an email out to everybody who signed up to our email list and say, hey, would you be interested in a membership program where you get our, our products at cost for $8 a month? And within a few hours, we had hundreds of people saying, yeah, I love the idea, asking us some, some clarifying questions. So right away, within a day, without having built anything, we had a strong sense of what people wanted. Um, when we were building the brand, well, actually, just like I went out onto the street uh, with with an intern, and, and he filmed me, and I just went and asked people questions about, you know, what was important to them. Um, and so, you know, just getting direct feedback from real customers as soon as possible, rather than building something in a vacuum and investing a lot of time in it without getting feedback. Can you talk to me about who the private beta is for? Are you looking to attract large customers like hotel chains with this, or is this just for the everyday consumer? No, this is for the everyday consumer. We thought, you know, like it's it, it, it's just wild. I mean, the, the supply chain is so the consumer is so far downstream, and we thought, look, you know, why don't we just completely change this model and offer products at cost for a membership? Um, Costco did it with multiple brands. Why not do it with our own brand and, and see what happens? So that's that's for consumers who actually, you know, so just people who who want premium, um, natural, and sustainable products but don't want to pay a lot of money for it. Um, we thought, oh well, we'll just you know give people what they want, and all our profits will be in the membership. Can you just talk to me for a moment about what the growth prospects are like for these subscription services? There's a billion dollars a year in bath products that's moving from large brands to smaller brands. And there's about $4 billion a year in the food and beverage industry that's moving from big brands to smaller brands. Because um, I think you know, millennial consumers um, are more interested in smaller mission-based brands. So, I mean, that, that's, the, that's the trend. Um, but uh, I can't say for specific markets. And then for, spe- for a specific company, it's really about getting your customer acquisition cost low. And I think and investors are looking at an LTV to customer acquisition ratio, three to one. So it's about getting customers and, and retaining. And, and so is that is that kind of why you, you've created the approach where you've got vegan products here, there's no animal testing, making sure that all those types of uh, things that appeal to kind of a conscientious consumer are there uh, prevalent whenever they associate it with the brand? Yeah, that's, that's why we did that. And that's why we launched products that people really need. That's what I never really understood about a lot of the boxes out there. Um, it's a recurring, you know, that they, they don't really lend themselves to, um, to recur, right? They're, they're not products that people need. They're just, it's just a box of stuff. 
um, and people get uh, a box of stuff in the mail. So I thought, well, I'm only ever going to launch products that everybody absolutely needs in their home and that they're going to use up. Nothing that's going to create clutter. I, I remember uh, whenever I was in economics classes um, now that they, they talked about how consumer goods, especially things like disposable goods, um, typically are something that consumers don't splurge on, especially if money is tight. So is the appeal really here just to get something that, you know, once people have, have become a consumer, they, they continue on with purchasing from that brand uh, simply because they just they don't care to make choices about that? Well, yeah, if, 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 if somebody's buying, um, you know, stuff at a CVS, then, you know, Walgreens, they're going into an environment every time where, you know, brands are competing with each other. Whereas if somebody tries Morgan's and sometimes, you know, if you saw us on Facebook, you know, we'll, we'll do some promotional offer, 50% off your first box or something like that. Once people try the product, um, if they like it, then there's no reason for them to go back to a CBS. They'll just keep ordering our box. So that's why we've had success there with retention. Well, I've subscribed to the box, uh, and I find that there's a really good value there. And I think that's what I uh, initially saw whenever I first ordered from Morgan's was that, you know, this is a really good value for the dollar. So it, it just it, there, there's kind of a, a logical decision that says, okay, well, th- this makes sense to order. Yeah, that's it. I mean, if you like the products, which was 75% of the people who, who um, try the products like them, not everybody, but most people, um, yeah, then there's no reason not to continue ordering. Do, do you have any plans to expand into other types of products, or is it going to be kind of a, a select group of uh, these items that you have as part of Morgan's? For us, it's really about home essentials. So, you know, that's why when we talk about, you know, uh, you mentioned earlier Dollar Shave Club or Harry's, which, you know, Dollar Shave Club is really just about shaving. And for me, it's like, okay, well, what is, is the world going to evolve where you have 30 different subscription boxes, one for, for each product? Um, and so I, I didn't see things happening that way. Um, to me, I just want to push a button and everything I need shows up once a month and I never have to think about it ever again. And if I do need to adjust something, I send in a text and that's the end of that. Um, so we started with the bathroom and the direction is just to move into other home essentials like surface cleaners, biodegradable garbage bags, bamboo, paper towels, um, just you know, stuff people really need. We just want to, I'm committed. I worked in fashion before. There's a whole lot of stuff that we made convincing people that this season they needed a new color of blue. And I thought, you know, I'm done with that. I, I don't want to spend my life convincing people that they need stuff. I want to spend my life making things that people actually need and providing a real value. Uh, so is there any kind of parallels that you can make from Morgan's to the previous two startups that you've had there, the Geometry Bags and Fulham and Holt? Well, Geometry Bags was great. It was short-lived. I mean, that was something that just just looked amazing. Um, we launched it. It was me and three great friends. And we, we got together and we said, let's just make something like look really great and really slick. And I had experience in manufacturing. So, you know, well, the other one was a, was a creative director and I had the, the production experience. So we built this company and it looked so good and we launched it. And then it was like, well, wait a second. Um, we need people to come to the website. 
and that was that was kind of the end of that business is we didn't really have we thought if we built this incredible product and made it look really good um that it would work and and a few people did Garant Storé covered us it's very prestigious the New York Times wrote about us um but then that was it you know and it and it fizzled so that was a that was a good experience we learned the value of marketing that it's not Enough just to have a great aesthetic and a great product, but you have to have a go-to-market strategy. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I, it, it seems like there's been a lot of companies that have struggled to do that. And there's some companies that yeah. have done really well with it. Like uh, one I can think of right now is Shinola out of Detroit. I mean, doing really high-quality products, but I, I think they've figured out a way to tell their story in in such a way that consumers are connecting with it because they understand that there's there's kind of a handcrafted aspect to it that isn't there with uh, other other items that they get if they go to the store. Well, I think the point that I, that I was making is really uh, as far as becomes the product categories that we want to work in, that I personally want to work in. So, you know, the, fashion will continue to exist and people will continue to buy this handbag and then the, the next handbag, and that's fine, and that'll give people... Some, some some joy um, for 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 a very short period of time. But I personally just wanted to work in need to have products. Um, I don't see that the world becomes you know better with an extra handbag brand personally. Whereas if we could offer need to have products with a more efficient supply chain, so people get better products at a lower price then I think there's a real benefit to that, that people get a better product and have more disposable income. So that's, that's more what I meant, is, is, is working in fashion, um, we were developing products that people don't really need. You know? and, and of course, you could argue that, you know, what do people really need? But I would say that people really do need toothbrushes, toothpaste, shampoo, and, and so on. So that's, sort of, that, that's kind of what, what, I, what I was referring what consumer challenges do you think you've you've helped solve through launching Morgan's? Yeah, just just that that, that premium premium bathroom essentials are um, are just wildly overpriced, and so that's one thing. So we've we've solved that problem. You know, none of our products, none of our shampoos, it's all under eight dollars. Um, so that's one thing. And then two, and this could be a very personal thing, but it resonates with a lot of our customers is the shopping experience. I mean, you, you go to a website like Amazon and you type in hand soap, and there's 222,000 different uh, products that come up. And so it's, it's actually impossible for a human being to make a decision, and it's not an important decision. So as, as long as, you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense to, to sift through 200,000 products, it's a waste of time. So uh, it's just a, a very simple shopping experience where there's, Great product, simple, one click, delivered. Don't worry about it. Um, I saw that you had spoken at, I think it was WeWork in New York, one of the WeWorks. Uh, and there was, a, I guess, an event that they had planned there where people were talking about their business screw-ups. Yeah. Are there any kind of things you can tell uh, our entrepreneurs out there about what things to avoid whenever they're, they're launching their business? Well, my last, uh, I mean, uh, you know, I, uh, I grew before Geometry Bag, we I had a, a, you know, was running a, a family leather goods company, and we got a lot of uh, a lot of big accounts, and, and we we grew that, you know, Banana Republic and Saks Fifth Avenue, 
Barney's New York. But um, growing a business requires requires planning, um, and so you know we actually expanded the production lines and bought inventory, and didn't have the cash to manage the growth, and the company went bankrupt. So um, one thing I'd say is, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's important to manage growth and, and to plan for it and make sure that you you know you have the capital to to manage that growth. Right, and then and, and then also, I mean, w- part of the reason that I made that mistake in the past was, um, you know, not have you know a balanced team. Like, I'm, and and all investors will tell you the same thing because it's just true. Um, you need to have somebody. So, if, you know, if you're if you're a great ops person, you might need a great designer. If you're building, if you're in tech, you know, you you might need um, you know a technical co-founder. It's not you know enough to to outsource this. So just just you know people with complementary skills, obviously. So what did you see as your strengths and what did you need to, to find to help uh, grow the business? Yeah, so I was into the design and the business development and my co-founders into operations and mm-hmm. uh, overseeing the, the technical development, the software and whatnot. Yeah, it seems like the technical side of things, if if there's someone that doesn't have that, that's like the first thing you have to go for, especially with um, trying to create any kind of startup now. Um can you is there anything that you've learned about like the technical side that um that you feel like you've you've grown uh as an entrepreneur in uh new ways of thinking well one thing that's just amazing right now is just how many tools there are out there for everybody to to build stuff on mm-hmm. right so i mean at 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 a certain point a tech a technical like it was well, you just needed one otherwise you just couldn't build it um but now um, you still need a technical co-founder in most cases. But just you know, for e-commerce, there's you could build something on Shopify, and then if it's a subscription, you have Recharge and Bold that you could plug into it. And for membership sites, you have other plugins, and then companies like Zendesk for customer service. So you can actually attach all these amazing softwares very inexpensively and get started. And that's kind of back to what I was saying before about you know just launch. There's enough softwares out there that um, that you can actually launch something and test it and get market feedback relatively quickly and inexpensively. Yeah, and then finding and finding talent now and talented people to do tasks is also incredibly um, easy today. There's you know platforms like Upwork and Freelancers.com, um, 99designs where almost any task um, that you could imagine you can you know post and get somebody you know get you know dozens of applicants within within a couple hours and you know there it's almost in my opinion better than a normal vetting or hiring process because you have user reviews and ratings and the percentage of projects they've completed and the kind of metrics that uh, otherwise you know in a normal interview process you wouldn't have so one thing I wanted to ask too. So the company is called Morgan's. Obviously, yeah. your, your first name is Morgan. Talk to me about how your personal brand has played into launching Morgan's as a startup. You know, the the reason it's called Morgan's initially the the actual name of the the company, the corporation, is Don't Run Out Inc. And initially, it was called Don't Run Out, which then the graphic designers, you know, on the labels put DRO. And then even the creative agency we were working with started calling it, calling us Dro internally. <laughs> and then it was like Dro, Dr. O, and 
we realized, and then, you know, somebody there suggested, why don't you just call it uh, Morgan? <laughs> you know, it's fine. So at that point, we just had to make a quick decision. And, you know, we're like, okay, yeah, great. Let's go with Morgan. <laughs> well, that kind of goes into your minimalism approach, right? Just keep it right. simple. That's it. <laughs> nice. Uh, any other thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners out there? Um, well, I mean, I'd love it if they were to check out. If anybody wants to check out our private data, they could go to members.morgan.me. And, and, of course, anybody could also email me if they have any questions or feedback at morgan at morgan.me. So that's M-E um, is our URL. But, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's it. Well, Morgan, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Yeah, well, thank you. Subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and connect with us on our blog, dc-entrepreneur.com. If you have any tips or ideas for stories, please tweet at us or message us on Facebook. Please tune in to our next episode, and thanks for listening.